Hey, Jailbirds! Welcome back to Jailbird Chronicles. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany, and we're two forensic social workers getting chatty about criminal justice. Jailbird Chronicles. Today we'll be continuing our discussion on media narratives and their influence on public opinion. It's interesting because someone pointed out to me, before Eric Adams came in to power at all, he already started giving us a new, um, was it a new police commissioner and a new DOC commissioner. And, you know, that to me, when I was reading about both of these new commissioners, sounded amazing. And I was really excited. And someone pointed out to me, they said, did you ever notice that he never gave a direct answer? He would always get kind of wishy-washy. So like when he was asked about, you know, what he thinks about de Blasio banning punitive segregation, he kind of was like, you know, it's a plan he's putting in place. Like he never outwardly was like, I think it's a bad plan. I think it's a good plan. And then when he came into power and started talking about like what he planned on doing and not fully getting rid of punitive segregation and explaining that he agreed with punitive segregation, not solitary confinement. And someone was like, oh, it's just a play on words. And he looked at them and he was like, why don't you go work a day in a week in Rikers Street? And you come back to me and tell me that we should just let these guys run free in the hallways with no consequences. And I think I cried a little bit when I saw that and read it. I'm not going to lie. Because you have to look at it that way. You have to look at it as don't just say end punitive segregation when you're not looking at the reason why these people are put in punitive segregation to begin with. And you're not offering what we can put in place instead of that. Because as we've stated in previous episodes, you could put rehabilitative measures in jails, but rehabilitation only works for people who are genuinely open to being rehabilitated. Yeah. So you have to, you have to look at all sides. Like you could say, punitive segregation is terrible and it's torturous and this and that but for an officer who's just trying to do his or her job to be locked in a closet and strangled with their own sweater and to almost be raped by an inmate is torturous also 100%. There's so many things that happen. It's like, why don't you get someone's body fluids thrown on you for no reason? So you just really have to look at other things, like question things. If you hear from someone that they've been in punitive segregation, why has this person been in punitive segregation? What has this person's behavior been? Because depending on who someone's sitting in front of, they're going to put on a different face for each person. That even has happened with me. 
oh, you're from mental health, you're reentry, you can help me get housing, you can help me get the services I need. That person may be much more open to meeting with me, much kinder to me than they'll be to a CO because I can provide them with something that they want that a CO is not able to provide them with. We all put on different faces in front of different people, depending on our relationships and sometimes depending on what it is we think that we can gain from them. So when you're trying to get information, you have to really question the background behind it because you really can't take everything at face value and then make statements like, and punitive segregation with nothing replacing it when you don't know the full story. Right. I mean, like, let's be real. Brittany, you have personally watched me literally meet with a patient and while he's yelling at the COs, having a casual conversation with me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this opens the door to you telling the story about the tiger again. (laughs) Oh, that's but it's true. It is very oh my true. gosh. And complete side note, by the way, but Ashley and I <laughs> were walking down the hall and this individual, he um, was yelling outside of the gym door at whoever was inside. I don't even know if officers were in there at that point. He was yelling about something and then Ashley and I passed him and Ashley was like, hi and he was like hey Ashley and then she was like what's that and he was like a tiger you want it (laughs) okay and then he gives her the origami tiger he made and has this casual conversation and then turns back around and starts yelling at the officers again and there was officers watching it that were just so perplexed by what had just happened they were like did he just hand her a tiger she took it she walked away that just did that just happen and everything was fine in the world and i think that i think that social media news outlets and social media in general clouds the perspective even more because i think that people fact check even less not me but um you know if you go to jailbird chronicles on instagram i fact check but anyway um i think that on social media people don't take the time to really pay attention to the sources and really take the time to um to really get the facts and make sure that what they're saying is factual before putting out a statement about something like there was a there was a post I don't know which outlet I can't remember which outlet it was from but they were saying that some unknown rapper um, was incarcerated on Rikers and he had this elaborate story about how because there's a shortage in staff Um, him and the other people incarcerated in his unit had to get their own food and they had to 
get themselves to their core appearances. And I'm just like, you're selling this story, but number one, your source is this unknown rapper who his intentions for telling you this seem very sketchy to me. And then it's like, sit there and think about this. Who gave these guys the keys to be able to roam around the jail alone to go get food and get themselves to court? That never happened. I can guarantee you. So this is what I will say. It's not very far off from what has been happening. Mainly because um, we haven't had officers. Um, There was housing units that literally, like, locked themselves in. And, like, there was no officer on the floor. However, there was an officer in the bubble. There's always going to be an officer around. They just might not be on the floor. So that to me, just in my opinion, that is not even remotely close to what this individual said. Mm -hmm. Because there was still an officer there. These individuals were not having to roam around get out of their unit some way to be able to get food because if they had to get their own food i mean their stock of commissary only lasts so long if they even have commissary if they had to get their own food that means that they would have to have the key to let themselves out of the unit to go to the pantry and get food and if they're you know, if there was at least one officer in the unit, they're saying that there was no officer and they even had to coordinate and get themselves to their court appearances. Like, you not only had the key to get out of your cell, but you were also roaming around a jail without a pass or without an escort. And then you also, if you're... um if your court appearance wasn't virtual, you also gained access to the correction bus and drove yourself to court. Yeah. I mean, I will say as long as there's what's been happening recently, if there's no officer on the floor is that there's an officer in the bubble. And so the guys are able to get in and out of their cells because the officers can pop the cells for them. The only facility that didn't no, even we had that. As long as there was someone in the vestibule, we don't really have key cells anymore. God bless America. Um, actually, maybe not. Maybe we'd have guys not be able to pop out of their cells the way they do now. But whatever. Um, they can get in and out of their cells, but there's there's an officer in the bubble. There's always one person there. They just might not be, say, inside the housing unit. But that's another thing. We don't know if he was in a cell um, unit or in a dorm unit. Correct. But regardless of if you can get in and out of your cell or not, you can't get past the front gate onto the bridge and outside into the actual hallway unless you have a key. Oh, yeah. They're not going to just let you roam the streets. So 
you have to pick things apart and actually think about like what makes sense and who the source is and what the agenda might be in sharing the narrative that they've decided to share, regardless of who it comes from, not just him. That was just an example. But then also they make little mistakes like calling it Rikers Island prison. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, you could call this nitpicking, but I'm not going to take you seriously if you don't, if you're writing a story about something at, that happened on Rikers Island and you can't even tell me factually what Rikers Island is. You don't even know enough to call it the correct thing. We are not a prison. Never have been, never will be. Thank Just you. a reminder, Rikers Island is a jail complex. <laughs> then there's also, you know, documentaries because something becomes such a hot topic that people want to do documentaries on it the Khalif Browder story that they had the documentary on him on Netflix Kim Kardashian came out with that justice project um which I did watch and the only the thing that I was happy that she mentioned is that she made the different she made the differentiation between um the fact that there are people who should be released who jail isn't the place that they need to be in or their sentence was too harsh or whatever it may be but there are people who just need to stay exactly where they are in prison because yeah. they've done terrible things and that i that statement i commended her for because people doing that type of advocacy with that type of platform I rarely hear give you both sides. It's usually a general a general um, statement. Right. And I mean, it's not common at all. And I will say with the Khalif Browder documentary, I was warned not to do this, but I did it anyway because it actually was on regular television before it went on to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I had recorded it because, A, I wanted to watch it, but B, many of my former patients were in that documentary. Um, they came to that the housing unit and filmed with the patient, my old patients about what their bails were, that portion of it. And it was, um, it was very triggering for me, and it put me in a really bad headspace because the story itself was really like screwed up and fucked up like he never should have been in there for as long as he was and many other things and then you know watching your patients on tv in their jail uniforms is never fun mm -hmm. but it was still very one-sided and when when people are doing these documentaries or doing shows like scared straight like people have the opportunity to get attention and be on tv so if you want a show there's always going to be people willing to give you one on both sides and that's that's why it's really important to not just take something at face value 
and to actually do your own investigation. And before you even do your own investigation, take a step back from your emotions about what you just saw and then really think about what you just saw and what makes sense and what doesn't and what maybe you need to question. I also get kind of annoyed with celebrities jumping into the conversation when it becomes a trending topic. Like you weren't here at the beginning. You showed no interest in it until you saw that it was getting hype on social media. And celebrities usually will pick a side and usually the side that's in alignment with public opinion and the narrative that's become the most popular and that's making the most noise. And then they put their face on it and they, and they don't know, and they haven't expressed interest in that topic until it became popular. And now that's even more dangerous because you're taking a topic that you didn't even really know anything about. You didn't educate yourself on And you're sitting there and putting your face on it, knowing how influential you are without doing the research, without asking questions, without getting your own experience. So I, I get really frustrated when I see, you know, celebrities just all of a sudden involving themselves in certain advocacy because it just makes me kind of skeptical about their motive right and like most people have never either been locked up visited the jail even like it's funny you notice that people like Remy Ma and Foxy Brown even DMX when he was alive, none of them talked about Rikers. Even Wayne. And if you read Lil Wayne's um, journal from when he was locked up, because I read it, I was actually able to read it in like one day. None of them actually talk about Rikers. In- Lil Wayne did. I saw an interview with him. He talked about how he always had to be what he described as he always had to be transported um, in shackles. Every time he left, he had to be put in shackles and there was no other inmates that had to be shackled. It was only him. And I'm assuming what he was talking about was enhanced restraints. And I believe that he was in a cell unit in the sentence jail for his own protection and he did have a violent charge he had a gun charge so there are certain precautions that need to be taken with people who have violent offenses but he did do an interview where he said that and he tried to make it seem like oh you know they treated me this way and they didn't do this to anyone else he spoke about it and he did speak about his time in an interview and he did say that he was the only one who had to be transported in shackles. Every time he went somewhere, they would shackle him up. And knowing what we know from working in the jails on Rikers Island, um, I highly doubt that he was the only one being transported in 
according to how he described it, clearly were enhanced restraints. Oh, I mean, he's definitely not the only one. The housing unit that he was housed in actually was full of severely violent offenders. And at one point, we had a serial killer in there. And I saw that serial killer get walked around with a spit mask on and mitts and shackles. But that also speaks to celebrities using their platform to spin a certain narrative. Like, you're... You're not only just giving one side of the story, but you're also completely giving an inaccurate story to make it seem like you were singled out and mistreated during your incarceration because they shackled you whenever you had to be moved around the jail or moved wherever it is you had to be moved to, um, when that is not the truth there are many people who for varying reasons are transported with enhanced restraints correct and so um advocacy organizations i feel like oftentimes make very provocative statements to get their point across and use provocative language um like for instance saying you know, PDS in DC saying that um, we call for the immediate release of all incarcerated people in the in the DC jail. Um, when you know, I talked about this in a previous episode when they said, you know, in DC, um, the population of Black people is the minority because it's only forty five percent. When, in fact, when you line up the percentages of all different races of people in D.C., Black is actually the majority at 45%, followed by White, which is at 42 point something percent. I can't really remember right now. But um, making provocative statements, just kind of spinning their own narrative on it to get people's attention Um And, you know, using provocative language like torturous and dangerous and and inhumane and using that type of language to kind of stir something up in people and stir emotions in people. And, you know, everyone has a different way in how they like to get their point across. I'm someone who kind of just likes to stick to what's factual, stick to what happened stick to my experiences um and really just stick to the facts and I don't really feel like there's much of a need to add in all the dramatics like I personally it it makes me not even want to read what you have to say because I'm just like you're way too emotional when you calm down and put out a statement when you're calm, I'll, I'll read it. Yeah. But I just feel like, can, can we get a point across with honest and unmanipulated facts and without all of the dramatics? No, obviously not. How dare you request that? <laughs> like, and it really gives a lot of one-sided arguments. Um, a lot of statements that I've seen come out of these agencies that have such a big platform to really make change in 
the criminal justice system and the judicial system and on so many different levels because they have so many different connections and relationships with people in the government and people in different agencies and even just with the public and it's like why would you want to give someone one side why would you want to make change based on one particular narrative how do you find that it's beneficial to take just one side of a story and base your reform efforts on that how do you how do you think that that's going to give you accurate and beneficial change it's not and that's the thing because you can't expect the patients that I work with to be 100% all the time if the staff isn't 100% all the time like you know how like oh gosh it's like you, you know like people can't love you until you love yourself type of a thing like until like you can't just fix one side and expect that the other side's just gonna like cave mm-hmm. you have to work on both And you have to start from the top and work your way down. But if you don't give the officers some kind of ability to restrain and move and enforce rules and regulations, it's just going to become a free-for-all, which is exactly what's happened. If, If you move forward in reform efforts just based on one narrative and then or the narrative that you've been given or that you choose to go with and you neglect information that is available to you and that people like me and Ashley and other people can give you from another perspective. If you neglect that because that doesn't satisfy your narrative, the reform efforts that you make are going to make the system crumble even more. And then you're going to take a step back and say, oh my goodness, what have we done? I'd rather we take a minute and really think about what our move, our next move is going to be instead of making a huge mistake that that is going to impact millions of people and then have to figure out how you're going to fix it. It's what a friend of both Ashley and I said, um, someone that we have worked with, is that these advocates and everything, you're attacking the criminal justice system with an axe when it needs to be approached with a scalpel. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're relying on media for information, don't, (laughs) don't just rely on what is presented to you from the news or um, from, from one side, always try to get more information and check the source. What is this? What is this person who's giving you this information? What is their knowledge? What is their experience? Where 
is the news getting their information from? Who are they asking for this information? Are they knowledgeable about the system? Do they write or speak in a way that they actually know the system that they're talking about? And be responsible with your platform and recognize your privilege. Recognize that even for some of us who come from backgrounds that may have been a tad bit or a lot bit messed up, we still have privilege over someone else in some way. Um, and recognizing that, recognize the privilege of the platform that you have, recognize the privilege that you have this voice and you're able to get it across to so many other people and be responsible with it. Don't just give one-sided and manipulated facts. Don't just say, I'm, I'm going to give them statistics, but I'm only going to give them this statistic to try to, um, you know, support my case. Find another way to support it. Give people the full story. And if you don't know the full story, then you go get the full story before you start advocating for things. Don't half-ass this. This reform for the criminal justice system actually goes beyond the criminal justice system. It goes into judicial, it goes into social issues, social justice. This is not, reforming this is not something to half-ass about. You're influencing too many people's lives. You're playing with too many people's lives when you do that. On, on all sides, not just the incarcerated people's sides. And really view things from a wider perspective. There was, there was a, photo, a photo that we had posted to our Instagram. And it was a picture of a bunch of incarcerated people in one pen. And the statement made for that, um, for that picture was that in Rikers Island, they're shoving multiple people into one cell and making them live there. And what if you are actually educated about how the way about how um, if you're actually educated or knowledgeable about how pens and units are set up, you will understand that that was not a cell that was a pen. And number one, are you, I'm not saying Rikers Island is a great place or anything, but number one, are you sure that picture came from Rikers Island? Because how did that picture get out to you? How did that picture get taken when you're not even supposed to have like cameras and stuff in jail? Um, especially from the angle that it was taken. Another thing is, if you look, those people in the pen are in civilian clothes. So that either means that they're in intake and they're about to be brought in and assigned to a unit or they're leaving or awaiting transportation somewhere. Think about that. In jail, you have a uniform. 
if people are in civilian clothes, especially on Rikers, they're not in a housing unit. And also, that pen that they were claiming was a cell had just benches in it, which means it's a pen, probably an intake, because a cell, even if they threw a bunch of people in a cell, you would at least see a bed in there, and there was no bed in there, and it was actually larger than a cell, and... Most of the units on Rikers are dorm units anyway. So like when you see things like that, you really have to think about it and not take it at face value and really think about how things are structured. You you have to think outside of what someone is just presenting to you. You have to think critically and you have to be knowledgeable about it because you know, when people make statements like that and you just take it at face value, that's when we start doing advocacy that's misinformed. Correct. Very much correct. And um, just to point out a little bit more on Brittany's point, um, we only have one man cells on Rikers Island. We never have had two man cells, never will have two man cells. And like she said, there would be a bed and not only would there be a bed, but there would be a toilet because each cell in our housing unit is equipped with both a bed and a toilet. When we have something that is presented to us, we have to look at it objectively without emotion. Like take your emotion out of it. Feel what you have to feel. But when you act or when you are about to make a statement or say something about it or form your opinion, let that emotion die down and revisit what you just saw and analyze it and think about what makes sense and what doesn't. We might never have the full story, even from working inside the jails, working inside the courts, working in the government, We might never have the full story. So we have to figure out how to fill in the blanks, not being emotional about it, being objective and really thinking clearly and questioning things instead of just accepting the narrative that we've been given. That's it for us today. Follow us on Instagram at Jailbird Chronicles. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. Join us next week on Jailbird Chronicles. Lights out, jailbirds.